Hey everybody, Chris Aiken from the CMS Podcast Network. And if you are a person that likes to watch our videos, whether it's Classic Metal Show, Talk To Me, Skull Sessions, or Aftershocks, do not do it on YouTube. Do you hear me? Do not do it on YouTube. Go to fupal.com, F-V-I-E-W-P-A-L.com. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. This is Talk To Me. Your host, Joshua Toomey, bring you epic rants, anecdotes, and interviews with heavy hitters from hardcore A new life to hair metal. This is Talk To Me. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Talk To Me. This is episode 270. The guest this week is Matt Byrne, drummer of the Mighty Hate Breed. New album, Weight of the False Self, out November 27th, and we will be checking out a track from that upcoming. But yes, this is an episode of Talk To Me. It's not the final episode of Diablo Simpodcastica. It's not a random episode of Drag the Waters. Please rate, review, subscribe to Drag the Waters, the Pantera podcast. No, we are back to doing a full-on episode of Talk To Me. But I did record something with Matt Byrne for Drag the Waters coming up. So that's going to be cool too. Matt Byrne, great drummer, fantastic drummer, longtime drummer of Hatebreed on the podcast this week. And this album, this album cycle has been crazy for Hatebreed. This was an episode where I was supposed to record with Jamie Josta back in February. And it fell through because of the pandemic lockdowns and all that. So the album has been done forever everybody's been home. Things are starting to lighten up a little bit. Everybody's starting to go out a little bit. The album's coming out November 27th. And we've got Matt Byrne from Hatebreed on to talk about it. And from my listens to the entire album, I think if you're a gigantic Hatebreed fan, you are going to love it. I think if you are just now getting into Hatebreed, you're going to love it. We talk about on the, we talk about this in the interview, but there's a lot of, there's some guitar solos. There's a little bit of singing. It's got the basis to a Hatebreed album, but it also has some new elements in it, too. Uh, before we get into all that, can we talk about, I went to Walmart today. Yes, Walmart. We're going down the toy aisle, trying to find some stuff, maybe get a few Christmas items out of the way early, way early. Going down, and we're going down the Lego aisle. There's all kinds of Back to the Future Lego sets. They're not Legos, but they're Mega Blocks or something. Awesome looking stuff. There's all kinds of, there's, I got some, basically some, uh, micro machine back to the future cars from every era of the, uh, the movies there, one, two, and three. And then I turn around an entirely new line of masters of the universe, He-Man toys. I'm like, are we here to buy toys for the kids? Are we here to buy toys for me? And I hate to say it. I think we walked out with about 50, 50. We got a little bit of stuff for the kids and I definitely threw a few things in the cart for myself. I got a cool Masters of the Universe blind bag. 
my kids buy these blind bags all the time. I'm like, why would you ever want to buy a blind bag? You know, if I want a certain figure, I want a certain figure. And then I see Masters of the Universe blind bags, and I got to get one for myself. I got Trap Jaw, if you want to know. It's not an ultra rare, but it's still cool. <laughs> but they've got the new He-Man, they've got the new Skeletor, and I was very skeptical of these toys when I first saw them kind of popping up online. I was like, man, they better not make them exact, because as a kid over the years, or as an adult over the years, I guess, um, I've collected the or vintage He-Man characters, and I'm like, man, if they flood the market with absolute replicas, it's going to be bad for that uh, for that vintage collector. But I will say that they look awesome. They don't look like the originals. They've updated them. And so you're not going to confuse them. You're not flooding the markets with some repros, some repops. And I think everybody's going to be happy. And speaking of being happy, man, I looked online and uh, our good friend down in Atlanta, Georgia, Scott Bowling. Looks like he went to Corey Taylor's house, interviewed him at Corey Taylor's house or, or at a nice house where Corey Taylor came over. But uh, man, what a get. What a cool get for the uh, Good Company with Bowling program. And uh, if you don't know about Good Company with Bowling, check this out. Hey guys, my name's Scott Bowling. I have a YouTube show called Good Company with Bowling. What's up? This is Clint Lowry from Seven Dust. Hey, what's up? This is Sonny Mayo. Hey, Ricky Rackman. And you're watching Good Company with Scott Bowling. I've interviewed bands like Limp Bizkit, Fozzie, Seven Dust, Corn. I've had Chris Farley's brother, Tom Farley, on the show. My show is kind of like a modern day Wayne's World. Party! If you love a good interview, a good rock interview, or just any kind of interview, please, if you get a chance, check out my show, Good Company. With both. All right, make sure you're checking out our good friend down in Atlanta, Georgia, Scott Bowling. Let him know that the Talk to Me podcast sent you. And uh, we are looking forward to that episode with. Corey Taylor coming up very soon. And so once again, guys, make sure to go rate, review, subscribe to the Talk To Me podcast. Make sure to leave a nice five-star rating, nice five-star review. And those will be read on an upcoming episode. I guess we're pulling those back out. And then also make sure you guys are checking out my Drag The Waters podcast, my Pantera-only podcast. So far, guests on that have been Mark Eglinton, Terry Glaze, and Patrick King, former roadie, former drum tech of Vinnie Paul, man. Three great episodes up. That Patrick King one, man, get you right in there. Get you get those uh, get those Kleenexes out. So it's a tearjerker. But on to the guest at hand, Matt Byrne of Hate Breed. And like we said, new album out November 27th, Weight of the False Self. We will check out Instinctive Slaughterlust after the interview. But first, we will go all the way back to Matt's first album with the band Perseverance. Let's check out Proven off of Perseverance. Talk to Matt Byrne. Check out a track off the new album, and I will talk to you guys momentarily.
Let's welcome in Matt Byrne from uh, Hatebreed, man, to talk about Weight of the False Self out November 27th, 2020. And uh, Matt, how are you today? I'm good. I just came in from, I'm in upstate New York here, just above New York City, about an hour and 20 north in a town called Poughkeepsie. And uh, as everyone else in the Northeast is dealing with, as well around here, that's what I'm dealing with, is all the leaves falling off the trees. So I've been outside for the last three hours gathering up leaves and raking my lawn and uh, mulching and doing all this crazy <laughs> fall stuff, Northeast fall stuff. Well, you must be in my uh, in my brain because actually last night I just went and bought a leaf blower. So I'm totally domesticated now. And uh, yes. we, we just bought our first house a few months ago. And, and now I have to deal with, you know, leaf blowers and riding lawnmowers and, and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Dude, that's awesome. Congrats on the house. And uh, yeah, I have a I have a diesel leaf blower, uh, not diesel gas, but a diesel in it's a real badass. Nice. It's a Husqvarna. And, uh, you know, if you have the right tools for the trade, the job really isn't that terrible. But it's just the fact there's so we got so many trees in our yard. Mm-hmm. So it's like triple I've ever had triple the work I've ever had to do in my life. <laughs> wow. And I didn't think I was going to be talking about my new, my new leaf blower. Yeah. I bought it last, <laughs> I bought it last night and it was dark outside and I still used it. I was like, I'm just going to go for it. So nice. You know, I did that with my tractor. It's got these crazy headlights on it. So I was out there till six o'clock at night when, I mean, now it's getting dark at three o'clock. So I was out there till six doing it myself. So I totally understand. We're right. We're on the same latitude. I like it. I like it. And another thing that I like, man, the uh, the new album, the new Hebrew. Look, how how was that for a transition? Uh, that was a great segue. Weight nice. of the false self. Uh, you know, as as a Hebrew fan since record one, um, you know, it's just amazing how the band kind of keeps keeps that that vintage Hatebreed sound, but then sprinkles in just enough newness to to kind of throw you off, man. I. I I really enjoyed the new album. Nice, nice. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we that's that's our thing. You know, um, every album cycle, every album, I think we try to bring something new and something fresh and something a little bit different than past albums. Because if you don't do that and kind of keep things fresh for the fans and everything, you're just doing the same album over and over again. So I think we do, uh, we, we dip our toes in the water of different stuff just enough to where we're not really uh, changing the identity of the band at all. We're not trying rap rock or anything or getting <laughs> way too super melodic where we're singing all the time. You know, we might, Jamie might hit some notes where he's screaming still, but um, you know, that's, we started doing that in supremacy. That, that type of element was one of the new things we brought to the band around that time period. So it's good. Every album has something new to offer. I think uh, this one, um, yeah, I think we went a little more metal. The, 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 uh, 
there's more guitar solos and I think they're a little longer than 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 we've done in the past. You know, we've brought some technicality and some shred. And um drumming wise, I mean one of the tunes on the album starts out with pretty much a goddamn drum solo. So how about that? <laughs> Enjoy. I got my time to shine. <laughs> you know, one part of the drums I was kind of kind of bummed out about that that you didn't bring back that good old school hardcore piccolo snare. Now what what happened to the piccolo um, snare? <laughs> I you know what? I still have one and I still use it from time to time when I'm jamming here at home, but I think uh you know that type of snare it's really good it's great live, but I, they're, they're a little harder to record because there's not as much body because it's a, a thinner body snare. And I have a metal shell, you know, I like for, for the hate breed stuff. I like using a wood shell snare because there's more body. You can still get the crack, but you draw that body out of the, the shell. And unfortunately the piccolo man just can't hang with that type of vibe. Yeah. It's a, it's more of a joke than anything, man. That, that, that piccolo snare was running rampant in the late nineties. So, Oh yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Uh, <laughs> see snap case. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking of too. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> get that drum sound. Well, that was an amazing drum sound though. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. It stood out on its own for sure. Trademark, trademark sound. How is it for you to continue to come up with drum beats and keep them exciting for you when a lot of times it's a lot of, you know, just chugging and, and you know, there's a little, a little bit of riffs here and there. I mean, there's a there's a, there's kind of a, a map to a Hatebreed song and to a hardcore song. So how do you continue to kind of keep the drums uh, exciting for you? Well, uh, there's two facets of it, I think, for me. Um, one of the things is, uh, and I've talked about this a lot with, with people, you know, my drumming back, background or whatever, like I, I'm definitely a metalhead. I loved the thrash metal of the uh, early to mid to late 80s. That's what I grew up on as a teenager. That's what I learned to play my instrument on. I loved the, the Metallica, the Megadeth, the Slayer, the Exodus, the Testament, all those bands. They all shred. They still do to this day. But yeah. Um, you know, that back in the day, that was their really heyday type stuff. And they're the godfathers. All those bands are the godfathers of, of that genre. So I was in that um, deep into that, learning how to play drums to that stuff. But at the same time, I was really into funk music. And I think funk music has like some of the best drummers in the game. You know? oh, yeah. It's drumming music, really. Um and there's always a solid backbeat and there's they, they there's a lot of dynamics and the ghost notes and stuff in there. So that being my background, I think I've always naturally tried to bring an element of, uh, of course, metal and, and hardcore and punk and all that stuff. But there's always like a, a little bit of a little bit of spice thrown in the pot, that funky spice thrown in the pot uh, with all that other stuff. So um, it's 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 kind of easy to to go to that type of genre, those that type of uh, drumming and come up with good ideas to inject into heavy metal especially like breakdown hardcore, you know, where, where it's a really deep pocket and everything like that. Um, so, you know, I'm constantly coming up with like, uh, you know, drawing on the backbeat and, and always referencing funk drummers to come up with cool stuff to keep the uh, hardcore and metal element interesting. So I, th I try to inject just enough. Another thing is now, I mean, I've been in the band just shy of 20 years and the other guys in the band, I think they understand my style and, uh, um, you know, what I've brought to every record up to this point. So I think, and what with technology, uh, you know, you can record, there's, there's drum programs and stuff like that. So guys, when they're sitting in their, their bedroom writing or their basement or whatever, you know, they can reference these, uh, uh put together like drum tracks and stuff. And they kind of put them together based on my style. So, uh, you know, if they're writing a song, they, they have like 
uh, a general refer- reference right. of, of me yeah, yeah. to go off of. And then, yeah, they can kind of use technology to kind of replicate a little bit of what I'm doing and cap- capture the feel, I guess, uh, the hate breed feel in, in the writing process when, when uh, we're not all together in the same room. Do you ever get those scratch tracks with the, uh, with the drum tracks on there and look at them and be like, I can't play this. I would need four arms. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't keep a solid ride and do a Tom fill, you know, and, you know, just all at the same time guys. Well, yeah, maybe a little bit. I don't, I don't think, I don't recall ever being like that, but I mean, there's definitely, yeah. Uh, nowadays with the, with that stuff. Yeah. You can make it sound like you're an octopus playing drums. It's, it's nuts. Um, but even off of the scratch tracks, I think when we have like a final demo or somebody brings in something that does have, uh, the electric drums or, or program drums or whatever, um, when I get hold of the tracks, I try to do as much of my own stuff based off of that as I can. So it, it, it sets a good uh, template for me, and then I just inject my own thing into it and put my own stamp on it. Now, you, you brought up that you know, you're know you just shy of 20 years in the band, and and as I said earlier, I'd seen the band a ton of times you know, from, from day one, and the, but there was definitely a period of time where you would show up the VFW hall and there was a random drummer, random guitar player, you know, you never knew what Haybreed lineup you were going to get kind of in those early days, uh, especially yeah. drummer wise. Um, you know, what yeah. was it about you that kind of solidified that spot? And were you kind of like, once you got the spot, you're not going to give it up kind of thing? Um, well, I was first in the band in 98 and I was one of those guys who just kind of sat in for a minute at first. Um, we just clicked though. I felt a click, you know, everything was good. Um, as far as the music goes, uh, we kind of, I don't know, we didn't really get along at first. So, uh, just, we were in different, those guys were rowdy back in the day. And I (laughs) was, uh, you know, I was just there to play shows and I wanted to be in a band and travel and all that stuff. So it's at first we didn't really click. So I quit the band for a while. And when I came back in 2001, um, I think that's when it was like a really, uh, it it was serious at that point. You know, you're talking the bands on Ozfest. We have management looking at us. Uh, there's a huge record label looking at us. That's right on the cusp of perseverance. Um, and I think like we, all of our heads were in the same spot at that time to where, uh, we had already enjoyed playing together and we clicked playing together and musically we had the same tastes and things just worked when we were playing live in a room together, we were on stage together. So, um, I think we all just recognized that fit uh amongst each other and 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 that was it there there wasn't any need to look elsewhere where were some of those shows in 98 that you played do you remember oh man we yeah sure we did a tour with earth earth crisis and uh sam sara at the time had harley in paris from chromags in it and we I, did I, a east coast uh, tour i actually opened that show in uh, nashville tennessee there you go oh <laughs> nice yeah i was gonna say east coast we did that Wow, what was the name of the band? Uh, Twelve Volt Negative Earth. What club was that? Was that the eighth day? It was the eighth day. You're you are correct. <laughs> wow, I remember that club like it was yesterday. Wow, yeah, yeah we played. Was... A, yeah, we opened that show, and it was our first time ever kind of being exposed to Harley, and he was all over that club. It was it was a big club. It was a big two story club, you know, and uh, and, you know had a had a back balcony. And he would just pop up out of nowhere and just like, and you know, we were all 17, 18, 19 year old kids. And we're like, we got to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So we played together. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. That was back in the day. So yeah, that was 98, uh, going into 99, probably we did some Canada shows, uh, East coast, 
uh, we played with Candiria. Nice. A lot of we did like a lot of Jersey stuff, Connecticut. I know my first show with the band, I had just tried out and and uh, and that was it. Like, all right, yeah, cool, let's do it. We got a show next week. Oh, where are we playing? Well, we're playing Toad's Place in New Haven with Guar and the Misfits. <laughs> and I was like, what? I didn't even have a practice. I we just got up on stage. And I hadn't even met Jamie yet at the time. It was funny. I just tried out. I did, I don't know, five, six songs. All right, let's do it. And got on stage. Jamie came up. He's like, hey, what's up? I'm Jamie. What songs do you know? I don't know. Just call him out. All right. And that's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were at that Toad's Play show, that was the vibe. That was what was going on on stage. Just like, all right, let's throw and go. Let's do it. I had never played a show with the band and I barely had a practice. Well, the and the bad thing about, you know, most bands, if you say, you know, six or, you know, five or six songs, that's a pretty big chunk of time. With Hatebreed, five or six songs is 15 minutes, you know? So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's you like gotta, 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> it's, uh, so yeah, you definitely didn't have much in the, uh, in the repertoire there. And I definitely have played shows with enough drummers, you know, fill in drummers to know. I'm sure you had notes on your snare drum, your notes taped to your hi hat, and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, you're just running through, you, you hear that song title and, and you just play it through your head, the whole song, real quick in, in like two seconds. Okay, yeah, I got it, four count. You launch into it, and you put a and note. The, uh, and you you put a note like what what song it might remind you of, or or just a da da da, or you know like some sort of weird drum. Right, window. right. Yeah, it's so fun. Some cliff notes on the <laughs> sides, some footnotes. It's funny, you know. I've heard uh, Axel and Guns and Roses. He always did the same thing. I think like uh, with Matt Sorum, and then later on the the, the drummer Frank uh, Ferrara or yeah, Ferrier or whatever. Like yeah, that. yeah. Um, the first gigs with the band were like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. We rehearsed. Or we didn't rehearse. We, 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 uh, you tried out, you're in the band. Let's do a show. Well, wait a second. We're going to rehearse. And his answer was always, if you can't do it up on stage now, you can't do it. <laughs> so just make sure you're ready yeah. and let's go. Yeah. My, um, not to talk about me too much, but my, I joined a band called primer 55 in the early two thousands. And, um, we had zero, we had like a half a rehearsal, and then our first show on the tour was at Lemoore in Brooklyn. And so basically, oh. you know, I basically did the same thing. It was just like, hey, you know, there's a, you, you know, you notice a lot of people that, you know, like Julia from Fuse was there and like all these just guys coming out to see the show that, you know, from other bands. And then, you know, like I don't, I, I might know the set, <laughs> you know, I'm over there with my notes and my cliff notes. That's a real trial by fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was not fun. It was definitely uh, ugh, when I got off stage. Yeah, yeah. It's nerve wracking, man. But that's part of the rush. That's part of the rush, too. It's part of part of doing it. And that's the one thing, you know, I've, I've continued to tell people over time. It's like, you know, just just be ready because you never know when you're going to get that call, you know, because I got the call to do that tour like a week ahead of time. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm. Good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. You know, like, hey, we got a tour. You want to do it? Sure. Here's the set list yeah. kind of thing. You can't, you can't turn it down. Yeah, yeah. If you, you never if, know when that opportunity is going to happen again. Absolutely. So, what have you kind of been doing throughout this, 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 you know, the lockdown, the COVID? Because I know this album was supposed to be out back in like what April or something like that. Because I know I had, 
I I had originally had an uh, interview set with Jamie on one of his two days that like of availabilities that he ever puts out. And I was on the second day and it turned out that second day he had to fly home because of all the lockdowns and shutdowns and stuff. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what have I been doing? Well, breaking leaves <laughs> in, in the current days. Um, no, really just stuff around the house. I think, uh, you know, as of October 15th, we have been off the road for a year. Oh, Last wow. year, October 15th, was the, the last show we did. We were out with Dropkick Murphys. So we flew home, and soon after that, we went in the studio, and we started the new album. But we haven't played live since then, and that's crazy for Hatebreed. Over a year of not playing together, of not playing any shows, that hasn't happened in the 20 years I've been in the band. So it's crazy, man. The world is shut down, as it is with every other musician. Uh, we're all finding ways to reinvent ourselves or just keep ourselves busy at home while we're waiting for this blanket to be lifted off of our industry. Um, I will say, though, I kind of enjoyed being home all summer and right. I embraced it because usually during the summertime is our prime touring season, especially in Europe. Uh, we spend a lot of time over there doing the festivals and everything like that. So to be home with my wife and just hanging out and uh, there's not too much to do because everything's shut down, but just to be able to get in the car and go on a little road trip or something or just enjoy our house in the summertime and all that stuff that everyone usually takes for granted, you know, when you're not home, it's it's awesome. So I did embrace that. Um, I've been jamming, you know, I, I, uh, I've been practicing on my own. Uh, Hate Breed, we've released a beer called Breed Brew. And uh, the beer is called Live for This Lager. So that was a good little project to get off the ground. We've been talking about it for a couple of years. Uh, and we were able to get it off the ground in this time now that we're not on the road. So you can go to uh, breedbrew.com, the Breed Brew Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff. We've done two beer events uh, in October and November since the beer was launched um, with a local. We did it through a local to Connecticut, Southington, Connecticut, a local uh, brewery there called Witch Doctor Brewing. And uh, we did a lager, live for this lager. It's awesome. So uh, we plan on doing another event with them this month. And uh, it's the beer is in cans, and we're currently working on trying to ship it. There's a lot of hoops to jump through with that. I know fans all over the place from Washington to Florida and everything in between are asking about our beer. So we're working on shipping it. It just takes a little while. Um, so we've been working on that. And, uh, yeah, I jam with some friends and stuff. Uh, I really just became domesticated, like I said, <laughs> hanging out with the wife and just, uh, you know, being a homebody. Yeah, I mean, I bet you were like, man, I'm out here blowing leaves. This is awesome. <laughs> you know, I never get to yeah. do this, you know. yeah, typically... As much of a pain in the ass it is, I enjoy it. Nice. Uh, talking about the, 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 you know, the beer, I had that written down in the notes to talk about. You know, how much into the process did you get? Are you, I, I typically, when I get into something, I get into it. So I want to know everything about it. Are you that, are you that way and, and were you that way with this? Yeah, somewhat. You know, for the most part, uh, I'm a beer guy. I don't go crazy on the stouts and some of the real thicker, darker stuff, but I like stuff uh, from there backwards, I guess. Uh, I'm not really a Budweiser guy, so I, I like the process of uh, seeing how it all comes to fruition, you know, with the brewing process and canning it. We were hands-on with all of it. We were able to uh, mess with the hops and mess with the mixture and, uh, you know, we're stirring the wart and everything. We were totally hands-on at the brewery making the stuff, and we were hands-on canning it as well. And there's video of that all over our, the Instagram and all of our personal Instagrams and stuff. We put up video and pictures and all that good stuff. 
Um, but yeah, it's a really good beer. It's lighter. It's only four and a half percent. It's a four and a half percent lager. So it doesn't in a pint can, it doesn't blow your head off, uh, with one beer, you know? Yeah, but it's good. Yeah. Hands on. I, I like, I'm the same way, you know, and, uh, Chris was the one who spearheaded it with the brewery. Um, he, he's, uh, they're not too far from where he lives in Connecticut. So he was able to get it off the ground with them. And then we all kind of pitched in and currently I, I'm uh, working with a company that is here in Poughkeepsie, uh, like I said, trying to get the shipping going. So it's a slow process, but, um, it's interesting to see how the inner workings of shipping alcohol works. Feel like uh, feel like I'm in the mafia or something. <laughs> Going to start running, uh, running, running booze out of the back of your car. Yeah, uh, it's crazy, man. A lot of hoops to jump through, and there's a lot involved in the entire process. Yeah, I, I've I've noticed that from all of the other you know band related beers. You know, you're it's very regionalized because because of the uh, shipment issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, like I said, it's quite the process. We're working on it, trying to get it off the ground. No promises right now. As like I said, a lot of people are asking. I know people will be listening to this like, oh, wow, I can get it tomorrow. No, you can't. It's not there yet. We're trying, though. We are trying our hardest to make sure fans all over the place can just have access to it. You don't have to necessarily be in Connecticut to try it. Have you? Do you have a, a spot on the website that kind of tells you where it's, where it's available? Like what, uh, what states or is it just in Connecticut or what? Uh, we're not there yet. Yeah, it's okay. just in Connecticut. It's okay. in Southington, Connecticut, which Dr. Brewing, if you're ever road tripping through Connecticut, uh, you know, stop in. It's in Southington. It's a great little town, great little brewery. I'm sitting here like advertising for it. And I'm like, <laughs> nobody can go anywhere. COVID <laughs> shutting everything down again. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I was noticing the uh, the date here. Do you think that we will know who the next president is by the time the hate breed album comes out? At this point, I don't know. <laughs> By November 27th, I hope so. I mean, we're past Thanksgiving at that point. Right. Yeah, this is Black Friday, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Big shopping day. Good time to put out an album. Yeah, make sure, you know, when you're out, I don't know where you can buy a record these days, but if you're out and you see it, make sure to pick it up. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it'll be available on all download platforms, as well as, I'm sure, your local Walmart or Target or wherever you get your music. November 27th. And I have seen that, you know, Hatebreed's popping up on some of the 2021 festivals. So I'm hoping, I guess everybody, the hopes are that, you know, we can get those rolling soon uh, and get 2020 touring, 2021 touring out there. Yeah, festival, you know, once this thing lifts, festival, uh, the festivals are going to be huge. All bands playing together in one spot. That's going to be a big deal. I hope, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that all the guidelines and whatever needs to be practiced and recognized will definitely be put into effect but um hopefully this time next year we don't have to be worrying about that stuff what's the uh one thing that you miss from being on tour that you kind of took for granted being out there kind of like the the reverse of you know doing yard work you know what's the what's the thing on tour you didn't realize you were going to miss the most uh the people and I don't mean the fan. I, well, I don't mean the fans. Of course, I mean the fans. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I don't just mean the fans. Um, yeah, it's, of course, it's great playing the shows. And but I miss. Um, it's the little things you take for granted, like uh, you know the promoters at the club. You, you know, you come through. We've played so many clubs, and you're coming through twice, two times, three times a year, and you're seeing those same faces. Faces, you know, it's like a little reunion. And uh, a lot of these clubs now are shutting down permanently. 
So I don't know if I'll ever see these people again. Wow. People I've been seeing for 15, 20 years, you know, it's it, when you look at it that way, it's pretty powerful because uh, they've been a part of my life. Just, you know, I'm just a nomad roaming through these cities, man, playing music for a living. And I'm seeing these people for that amount of time now in my life. They become a part of my life. And I don't know if I'll ever uh, see them again unless I just happen to be going through Lawrence, Kansas or <laughs> uh, another random place that typically you might not go. Um, what's the, I miss what's, our road uh, through. Lawrence, Lawrence, Kansas is uh, what's what's the club there? The bottleneck. The bottleneck. I was on the tip of my tongue. Thing. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and that's just one of many. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, you know Lawrence, Kansas, being a reference. Like, there's just so many of those towns like that throughout the country. And uh, what I was getting at was our. I miss our crew guys. You know, uh, Europe too. Uh, I was just on on FaceTime catching up with our tour manager over there, Marcus. His nickname is Schlumpf, and he's a German. He's a German OG man. He's been with us since 2002, and he's been in the music scene for long before that. And just talking to him, I felt like I was in Germany. Like I felt like I was in Europe. We were on the road, you know. It's like I haven't seen him in so long, and seeing him and talking about random shit that we usually talk about when we're together, it felt like I was in some club in Germany or France or Austria or somewhere. Like it transported me back. It's funny. So, so I missed that. I, I felt that at that moment talking to him. God damn, I miss being over there. I miss traveling throughout Europe. We spend a lot of time there. I miss the food. I miss the beer. I miss the shows. Um, yeah, that's the lifestyle, man. And right now I'm just a homebody and it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I bet it has it's to weird. be weird, man. It's, it's definitely just knowing the road and getting off the road and how long it takes to kind of adjust back to home life. I can definitely see like, it's probably going to be the other way around for you. Like you're going to have to adjust back to road life, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be weird leaving home now. I'm uh, like I said, we've been off the road a year. That's crazy for us. We're usually good for like three weeks or a month or in some cases, maybe two months. And then we're kicking back up, going somewhere, doing something. Uh, so a year now we're over a year. It's weird. It's strange for a no, for someone who has that nomadic lifestyle constantly, you know, and a lot of guys are listening to this and can relate uh, a lot of music guys, man, we're all in the same boat. We, we live that nomadic lifestyle and all of a sudden you're a nine to fiver overnight. You're just a nine to fiver now. Not that that's, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just a strange thing. Was there a, uh, over the last 20 years in a heat breed, you know, what are some of kind of the career milestones for you? And it, and it can be something down to as small as, you know, the first time you guys played a, a certain club that you might have went to as a kid or opening for a certain band or something like that. Uh, touring with Slayer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not once, but like six times. You know, they're my favorite band. There are a lot of people, a lot of metal guys, favorite band. They're definitely my favorite band. Favorite drummer, too, was Dave Lombardo. He had just come back in the band when we toured with him. So, uh, the last time I had seen him playing drums with Slayer was February of 1991. And at the time here, we were tour going on tour with them. It was February, 2002. So it was like a cool, you know, cool milestone in my life. Um, man, the little things just like being on a tour bus for the first time. I never thought I'd ever do that. You know, we were always van and trailer or just a van, not even in a trailer, uh, with a trailer. So, uh, being on a tour bus is a big deal. And a lot of people, I think, uh, a lot of guys take it for granted. I don't, I, I can remember the first tour bus we were on the first driver, that feeling of being on the bus 
for the first time, you know, figuring out how things work. How's this and the whole etiquette of being on a tour bus, all that stuff. You mean I, I can't, remember all I, that. I can't poop in here? What? <laughs> right. Yeah. A, but there's a toilet. Right. <laughs> what do you mean? Nobody wants the top bunk. What do you mean? It sucks. I don't know. <laughs> I'll it take feels it. All right. Yeah, I'll take it. I don't care. Um, yeah. So that, and uh, you know, the first time flying to Europe. Wait a second. I'm going to be on a plane. And I'm going to Europe. I've never really been. I've never been there before. I got a passport now. I'm going Europe. I'm going to Europe to play music. This is crazy. <laughs> and now I'm on my sixth passport, I think. Seventh passport. Uh, and that's that's like our second home over there. But the first time like that feeling sets in of, man, I'm traveling. I'm a traveling musician now. It's crazy. It's a crazy feeling. I was going to school to be a teacher. So to switch uh, gears from that into this rowdy musician lifestyle, I guess, is uh, it was wild, man. I'll never forget those feelings of the first time doing it, you know? Yeah. That's the one thing about with, with Haybreed, too, because Haybreed could have very easily been a thousand of the hardcore bands that came out in the 90s. You know, put out the one great album, you know, Satisfaction is the Death of Desire toured on it and then fell apart and broke up and things like that. But, you know, Hatebreed is kind of the one almost lone standing, uh, you know, uh, whatever person or band from that period that, that broke through and was able to kind of keep it together and not only keep it together, but become, you know, kind of a, a staple in the music business. It's, it's pretty insane at the time because as much as big of a fan of Hatebreed as I was and still am, I would have never have guessed that, Hatebreed would have outlasted and became more popular than a ton of bands that came out, you know, since then. Yeah, I think what you just said, I'm sure a lot of people have said it, in all honesty, you know, from that era, if you were around in that era, it was wild, man. It was wild style. A lot of these shows and stuff. And, and uh, we were all creating our own scene and draw, creating that buzz and, and uh, getting the big dogs to, to pay attention. You know, and that's how like Earth Crisis got. Uh, we all just, you know, the the all the bands on Victory, and then the, we uh, used that and and went on to the next step from there, um, and became bigger and bigger. You know, and I think there's two things. You know, uh, first of all, I, I would have said the same thing. I, I I never took it for granted. You know, it was just um, I you don't know how long a band's gonna last. You could be in a hair band in the '80s, and then all of a sudden Nirvana comes out. And you're like, holy shit, my life's over because music, you're just waiting for that band to come out and change music. Right. Um, not that that's that happens that often in the hardcore world. I think hardcore just gets better and better um, as time goes on. But you just don't know the longevity of a band. You just don't know. So the fact that I'm sitting here now speaking to you after almost 20 years of being in the band is is crazy. You know, I, I didn't know it was going to last this long. You don't expect it. Um, you're just taking it day by day and tour by tour and just loving it, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I think the, another thing, like we were talking about earlier, uh, I think, it, uh, one of the contributing factors is that every album, like we were talking about before, we try to do enough new things to keep the band fresh. We're reinventing ourselves just enough without, uh, completely losing our identity. There's always the elements, the past elements of hate breed are all there, but we always throw a curveball at you and give you something new as well. 
So it's keeping the band fresh. And, uh, you know, that's, I think a little bit of experimentation is the key to longevity. A little bit, a little bit, just building on what you currently have and not getting stale. Yeah. And, you know, you were talking about, you know, adding a little bit more guitar solos in this one. And and when we say add a little bit more, it's like a two bar guitar solo, but it's like it's it's in, it shreds, it's out. You know, it's not a, you know, Ingve Malmsteen didn't come in for an eight minute bridge. You know, it's it's Frank and Wayne right. just just, you know, ripping. And, uh, you know, if you've got that talent in the band, show it off, you know, and, and with Jamie, Jamie's voice over the years has has evolved and he's added a little bit of singing. He does singing in his side stuff. So it's not a shock to the system, you know, when Jamie might throw in a couple of actual singing notes, you know, it's not just screaming at you the whole time. So I think as we all get older, you know, adding a little bit more elements into it of, uh, of just, just, just to change it up is, is a good thing. Yeah. You have to evolve to a certain point. You can't get stale. You have to evolve to a certain point. Um, that's what keeps you fresh. You know, you just don't want to lose your identity. We've never turned on what we were and completely gone in a different direction. Yes. Um, yeah, we've never lost the elements that have come to be known as uh, trademark hate breed elements. You know, um, you're still going to get a, as many breakdowns as we can pack into an album, man. <laughs> well, as we kind of wrap this one up, man, um, how is it for you to, to kind of now be getting this album out finally? Because I know you've been sitting on it for a very long time. It's great to see it finally happening and actually happening, uh, given that we're still in this crazy climate of COVID-19. And there really is no definitive time when things are going to open back up fully and people are going to be able to gather into crowds and all this stuff and really get back to what we used to be, you know, in society. Um, yeah, this album started the, the first pr- the first steps of the process started back in November, 2019. So here we are now, November, uh, 2020, and it's finally coming to fruition. We originally planned on getting it out the end of May. And, uh, we released a, a, one song when the blade drops in the end of February to give fans a little taste of what was coming. The song wasn't going to be on the album, but at least they could get something new and get a taste of what was coming in May. And then of course, at the end of March, everything happens and everything got shelved. So it's been a long time coming. And I'm glad that we can uh, slowly, uh, sl- things started slowly opening back up, giving us an opportunity to print some CDs and print some vinyl. And of course, there'll be the digital versions of everything, but uh, to get the artwork done and to really do a correct promotional process up to the release date of the album, best as we can, given the times now. Um but I think, uh, you know, it's worth the wait. I think our fans are going to love the record and it's well worth the wait. And uh, it's I think they need it right now. <laughs> fans, metalheads need metal right now. It's been too long. I mean, some some new some bands were able to get some new stuff and squeak through before everything shut down. Right. Um, it's time for a hate breed album. It is definitely time for a hate breed album. Matt, thanks for taking the time. We've got a. Uh... Weight of the few. Uh, let's see. Weight of the few. Oh, I've got it written funny. Come on, looks, you can do it. It looks like it says future self. By the way, the way I wrote it so fast. <laughs> Weight of the false self out November twenty seventh, twenty twenty. Matt, thanks for the time. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah.
All right, huge thank you to Matt Byrne of Hatebreed for coming on the podcast. Make sure to check out his upcoming Vinnie Paul stories on Drag the Waters that will be coming out soon also. And make sure to check out the latest from Hatebreed coming out November 27th, Weight of the False Self. Make sure to hit that rate, review, subscribe buttons, all that good stuff. Make sure to let your friends know that you are checking out the Talk To Me podcast. So for the Talk To Me podcast, I am Joshua Toomey, and I will talk to you guys soon. At Academy Sports and Outdoors, the sounds of great gifts and Christmas hot deals are everywhere. Get 30% off select Adidas footwear. Buy two packs of Strixon golf balls, get one free. And get up to 40% off fitness equipment. Get free curbside pickup when you shop Christmas hot deals at your local store and academy.com. Or get Academy gift cards for everyone on your list. Christmas hot deals are here at your local store and at academy.com. Exclusions and restrictions apply. Fitness discounts based on MSRP. While supplies last. See academy.com for details. Strixon offer valid through December 25th. Limit two free one dozen boxes per customer. At HomeSense, the holidays mean a little more this year. More merry and bright with fun favorite ornaments and soft candlelight. More quality time around a new table and winning game night if you're lucky and able. And home cooked will taste even better on the perfect plates you picked out together. Make your holidays more special without specialty store prices. Bold pieces, endless discoveries, game-changing savings. HomeSense, cheer is here.